If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers fall to the Buffalo Bills 38-3 yesterday at Highmark Stadium in Buffalo. Worst loss in the Mike Tomlin era for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Tough pill to swallow for sure. No one likes to eat a big old helping of humble pie. It's not good. It's one of the worst kind of pies that you can eat. But sometimes it's necessary to really expose weaknesses in your team and recognize areas that you need to get better in. Now, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, that list might be longer than it is shorter. But that being said, kind of the similar tone that I had following the Jets' loss last week, I'm not as down as I feel like I should be or expect, or as I expected I would be following a 38-3 loss at the hands of Buffalo Maybe it's just the optimism of the new quarterback who, by the way, didn't look great, but once again, didn't look like the league was too big for him. Maybe that is just seeping into the way that I react to these games. But as far as coming off the worst loss of the Tomlin era is concerned, I don't feel that, you know, down in the dumps about the team. I I think there's a long road ahead. They are going to need to rebuild in some areas, and there will be a lot of growing pains now, but... I kind of recognize that and I accept that and I'm not exactly, you know, down in the dumps over a one and four start with a very bad loss to one of the best teams in football. Tom, I might take a different opinion here than you. I think this was the reality slap in the face that this team kind of was alluding for a long time, saying, oh, well, T.J. Watt could come back very soon and Kenny Pickett instead of Mitch is really going to be the spark that this offense really needs. Well, T.J. Watt wasn't out on the field. That defense led up uh, a franchise record of passing yards in a single game. And Kenny Pickett, as you said, wasn't his best. But I mean, obviously, like, wasn't afraid of the moment going up against a, a really good Bills defense, but didn't look his best. I think this is kind of a culmination of ungranted or unwarranted optimism on a lot of different areas for this team and here they are coming to a head altogether and it ended in the worst loss in the Mike Tomlin era and it really felt like it was I mean from 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 second one from the James Pierre fumbled kickoff right before that you you actually pinned the bills back in their own five yard line and as you've mentioned on the show multiple times you get the first you get the stop on first down you get the stop on second down and then on third and 10 from their own two-yard line, they throw a 98-yard touchdown pass. So to me, Tom, I understand why you're feeling a little bit better about this loss than maybe most people would when they witnessed the worst loss in a head coach's era 
which spans a large, longer than 15 years or, or just at 15 years right now. But to me, Tom, I think this is something that we've been kind of avoiding. We've been saying, oh, well, Ben was in his last year and, and he really led this team all the way to the end, all the way to the finish line, all the way to the playoffs. And yeah, it wasn't a great win or it wasn't a great end to the season, but hey, now you have the next guy up. And oh, well, it wasn't Mitch. Let's throw in Kenny for that spark. And you lose to the Jets and you're feeling, okay, well, that's not so bad. Kenny looked pretty good. Your defense just had to really shore things up moving forward. But then you play an actual offense in Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Sean McDermott leading the way. And you get exposed mightily. And it, I think, as you said, it's it's a very hard pill to swallow. But I, I might be a little more pessimistic about this loss than you are. I don't want to say that I'm optimistic about the loss or that I think, oh, what a good loss. They really showed them all. They played like crap yesterday. I mean, there's no way that you can sugarcoat that. But I'm just saying that I come away from this loss and losses that we'll have throughout the remainder of the year. And I just am going to go kind of meh. At the scoreboard, I don't really want to. I don't. I've said it last week. Wins and losses don't matter as much this year anymore. It's about the development side of things. Mm-hmm. How does Kenny look? And you kind of mentioned it briefly, but he didn't have his best game. Obviously, they didn't score a touchdown, so any quarterback is going to wear that first and foremost. You got to get your team in the end zone. But he did set the record for the most passing yards for a Steelers' first start at the position. Uh, he was efficient in the game. I, I think he made pretty much all of the right throws. I don't really remember one throw where I was like, oh, that was bad. I know on his interception, you got to get that a little bit more elevated. He was trying to thread the needle mm-hmm. into some double coverage. But at that point, I mean, they're already down what, like 24 to 3? Oh, it was, no, I think it was even later in the so game. So he's got to push the ball down the field. He's got to start making a little bit more risks. And he got one picked off. Great play by the corner in Buffalo to jump up and get in that passing lane. But. You could maybe point to that one. Other than that, though, I don't really see a pass, and I'd have to watch again just to make sure uh, of his 52 that he threw, that I was like, oh, what a dumb decision. Oh, man, he really tried to force something there that wasn't there. Like, he didn't look like he was making bad throws. They just weren't able to string together enough of the throws, enough of the plays to put points on the board. They'd have big momentum plays to pick ins, and they'd get deep into the Bills' territory, and then they'd stall out or... Mm. And then as the game went later, you know, you stall out again and you try to kick the field goals that you end up missing. Uh, Then it gets even later and you try to go for it on fourth down when you're in Bill's territory and you end up not converting. So let's take baby steps with this offense. And right now, you know, that toddler just started to pick himself up a little bit. And he put that one foot in front of him, but then he fell back down on Mm -hmm. on his face. Keep building. You know, now next week, let's see drives that sustain like Kenny did in this game. But let's get into the end zone. Let's convert on third down. Let's make the field goals when we're in field goal range. So it's almost like, and it's not like the offense was, you know, running like Usain Bolt before Kenny got put in for Mitch, Mm -hmm. but they're almost even further behind than they were when you put the rookie in now because you have to go through the rookie growing pains that Mitch probably didn't have because he's been in the league for six years. So let's take baby steps with this offense. Three points is not satisfactory to anyone listening to this right now. It's not satisfactory to me. It's not satisfactory to the Steelers, but it is the reality of the situation. And I know every year the Steelers compete to get over 500, to get in the playoffs and win that Super Bowl. And they're not going to quit on this season at all. They're going to try to win Mm -hmm. as many games as they can from here until the end of the year. 
But as long as your quarterback's starting to look better, as long as the Pickens to Pickett or the Pickett to Pickens connection continues to blossom, Deontay can start squeezing the mustard a little bit more. If Najee can start to show a little bit more burst after, you know, week after week after week. If you see progression as the season moves on, that makes 2022 a win, no matter how bad your record is. And Tom, I'm going to be honest, three points. Yes, that leaves a really bad taste in, you, in your mouth, but Chris Boswell obviously didn't have his best day, went one for three. Uh, the win was clearly a factor in that game. Uh, so can you put some blame on Boswell? For sure. But at a certain point, the Steelers were kicking field goals down by 21-plus points. So... Are you really going to be that mad at Boz for missing field goals when really on fourth and eight or fourth and six, you and I were saying to ourselves, I don't understand the the logic here. You're going to score nine field goals to get back into this thing? <laughs> no, you're going to have you're going to have to be ballsy and go for it on fourth down every now and again. And they chose not to, and they chose to put the ball in Boswell's hands. And after a couple of misses, they started going for it. Again, it didn't really lead to anything. I don't think they converted a single fourth down conversion. I think they went for it twice and were 0 for 2 on the day. But, yeah, I I see what you're saying uh, in terms of it's not so much about wins or how many points you score in a game. It's about how does the offense look as a whole. And the big takeaway for me, Tom, was, yeah, Kenny didn't finish with a great day. But there were a lot of balls out there, Tom, that fell to the ground that weren't Kenny Pickett's fault. There weren't. Uh, the one that really comes to mind was third down. Kenny rolls out to his right, throws across his body. High pass, for sure. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it was the you know one of the greatest passes ever authored in the history of the NFL. But there wasn't a single defender not near a Deontay. Defender near Deontay. They were both, there were two guys behind him, really not pressuring him in front of him. To make it a combat catch. It didn't just hit his hands. It went right through mm-hmm. his hands. And that's one that your second contract earning wide receiver who just got a big raise this offseason uh, needs to come down with. I mean, again, you'll have people go who, you know, you can point blame in both directions there. You'll just say, oh, Kenny, got to get that ball in a better spot, make it an easier catch for him. You're not wrong. But Deontay's a playmaker that needs to make a play there. Yes. It's not that I'm saying, oh, man, beautiful ball. How does Deontay drop that? I get that it's a difficult catch for him to make, but you kind of pay him. And you kind of want, and you list him at the number one spot in your depth chart to make big plays like that on third downs. And I'll point to another play, too, that really stood out to me. It was later in the game, so not as consequential, but another one of those fourth down conversion attempts into and out of Chase Claypool's hands. Actually, both fourth down attempts could have been caught. The first, I believe, was Deontay Johnson. It was at the sideline. He caught it initially, but couldn't come down with it. Chase Claypool, when it was thrown in his direction, couldn't complete the pass from when it touched his hands from the get-go. So it's not just Deontay's fault. There were a couple of plays overall by Deontay and Chase Claypool where you're looking at yourself thinking, you know, we, we, we sat on the show and said to ourselves, this receiver core could be elite. This receiver core, in time, could be one of the best in the NFL. And when the guy that you brought back on a on a second year, or on a, I'm sorry, on a on a second contract, and Deontay Johnson to be your wide receiver one, isn't able to make the plays when you need him to on third and fourth down, and Chase Claypool, who over the course of his career has really shown that he isn't the most reliable pass catcher, that elite pass receiving option of, of three guys has really dwindled down to just 
George Pickens being a stud and how much can you really get out of Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool? Yeah, it's been disappointing to say the least uh, with the receiving core because, again, these aren't exactly the easiest catches, but you're a playmaker for a reason. And Mm -hmm. I feel like the Steelers playmakers, uh, a lot of members of the Steelers have let the team down this year, but I definitely feel like the playmakers have, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, have been below the line to start the season. And Mm -hmm. that's something that was disappointing because, like you said, we looked at the offense heading into the season and we looked at the talent that was there and we said, this is a team that's constructed to either A, help a game-managing style quarterback who's trying to rehabilitate himself in Mitch Trubisky, or B, break in a young rookie quarterback just getting his feet wet in the NFL and Kenny Pickett. And I still think that it is. It's just the execution hasn't been there. And hopefully, again, like I'm saying, baby steps, that's something that you see as we move forward now. Maybe some combat catches get pulled down by number 11. Maybe Deontay makes some pretty, you know, not great catches, but catches he has to make on third downs to keep the sticks moving, to keep drives alive. Maybe you'll see that improvement as we work our way through the season, and that will be encouraging heading towards 2023. But at the same time, there's wins on the table in 2021, or there's more, or 2022, or there's more competitive games on the table in 2022. If you have your guys that you pay to make plays, just make one or two extra plays, keep drives going, get balls into the end zone, keep the defense on their heels. And unfortunately, they're letting the defense off the hook more than they're causing them to, you know, back up a little bit. Yeah. Again, Tom, you said maybe Claypool can make those combat catches and maybe Deontay can start just being a more consistent pass catcher. But really, I mean, and I don't mean to be too critical here, but. Over the course of this season and in the past, I don't know if we really had the well, the sample size we've gotten out of them has really been indicative that they can turn that around. I don't know. I think you're right about that. I think it, again, worried, I think it's worrisome. I think that again, this game was kind of a slap in the face of a reality check that all the wishful thinking of, oh, the offensive line has done a really good job. And I don't, I'm don't. i not saying they had the worst day. They didn't, man. I think Kenny was really calm, and I think he had pockets mm-hmm. a, a lot in that game. I know Von Miller went crazy on him at the end of the game, but you're going to get beat by Von Miller every once in a while. But that, and you and we were saying, oh, well, you got to get Najee Harris more involved. That didn't work out. And Jalen Warren had a lot of garbage time runs and, and catch and run after their catch. Uh, for him, the defense really, I mean, it really struggled. I think we can talk about the offense and we'll get to the defense later, but we saw the final score, right? It was 38 to 3. It was the worst loss under the Mike Tomlin era or during the Mike Tomlin era. So we, we there's a whole, there's a whole list of things that we could talk about the defense and, and what went wrong there. But on the offensive side of the ball specifically, I just think that that spark that Mike Tomlin said, the offense needed a spark by definition is small short and kind of instantaneous it is not a long lasting effect so i understand why you made the move and we were happy with the move because you didn't love what you saw to the offense when it was led by mitch trubisky and it seemed that kenny pickett was leading the offense down the down the field uh taking advantage of turnovers by Mika fitzpatrick against the jets however this game and I'm not saying it's 100% his fault, but there was really no spark. I think the first drive, Tom, actually looked really good. It was probably their best drive of the entire day. And it it was a crucial drive because, A, your offense didn't even get the first chance. It was 
initially given because James Pierre fumbled that kickoff. But your defense comes up with a huge block on that field goal instead yep. of going down by 10, 10 to nothing yep. or even 14 to nothing. You're coming away 7 nothing, and your second possession, really. And Kenny drives that that ball all the way down the field, and it's only a 7-3. to three. So I was very impressed with the first drive. But again, a spark, Tom, is something that is not long-lasting. So they need to find something that can be sustained for an entire game in order to keep up because we know this league now is totally offensively driven. I mean, we could, we'll we talk about it in a later episode. The, um, the roughing the passer call on Tom Brady. Hmm. The referees protect the offense. The game is meant to highlight the offense here. So I know defense is important, but with a young quarterback here, you gotta have to be have that ability to keep up with a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes. And like I said, Kenny did it on that first drive. The spark was there, but like all sparks do, they fizzle out eventually. You need to find something that lasts a lot longer than just one spark. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Spark needs to become a beautiful, burning, mm-hmm. ever bright flame. That like is like our Fireside lights. Fridays. Yes, it needs to be roaring with the flame and the smoke that our Fireside Fridays do. You need it to be long-lasting. And I don't know. I, I look at this game, and Pickett seemed like one of the only— I don't want to say it like this because I think every single guy that steps on this field leaves his all out there— but he seemed to be the only one of the only guys that was, you know, still checked into the game mm-hmm. as it went later. As it and continued that's, on, that's yeah. natural too, because I mean, it's your first start. You know, you're just getting your feet wet, and you want to put some points on the board. You don't want it to look as bad as it ended up looking. But I don't know. It just seemed like to me, it would have been an easy spot for a young fresh quarterback to kind of be overwhelmed. I mean, it's like a college atmosphere up there. You know, there's the Bills make me want to shout, and everybody's going crazy in those stands. They're jumping through tables, and it's an unbelievable atmosphere to have to make your first start in, and he just didn't look like it was affecting him at all. I mean, he's getting hammered on the scoreboard. The crowd's hammering him on the sidelines. The talking heads in Pittsburgh and Buffalo are probably saying, oh, not the best look for your Pittsburgh Steelers here with him at the helm. You'd make the change at quarterback because your offense wasn't doing anything. In the first game where you make that change, it scores the least amount of points that it had scored all year. Now, it was going up against maybe the best defense in the NFL, but still you got to come away with more than three points. All of that stuff was working against him, and yet I still saw poise as late as the late into the fourth quarter of the game. I didn't see a moment where I was like, uh-oh, things are a little bit too big for this kid. Uh, this might ruin his confidence a little bit getting smacked like this. In fact, it seems like it's just the opposite. It seems like he takes his lump and he really, I don't want to say could care less, but he's focused on Tampa Bay. He's focused on looking at the film and getting better as opposed to, oh, bleep, this is a completely different animal than college football. No, I agree. I think that <laughs> I think he being Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, and I know it came in garbage time, but Jalen Warren, to me, those three really stood out. I think Pat Fryermuth, if he had not 
suffered that injury, that yeah. head injury. And, that and kept Pat him has out. a lot of concussion history, so we really do hope that he's okay. Because that, that's scary when you have a history of that. That and I mean, not to be kind of selfish here, but for the well-being of this team, you need Pat Fryermuth. You need Pat Fryermuth. Yeah. And I, I did. I had no problem with seeing Zach Gentry get involved early on in the game, but. You need to be able to get Pat firing with the ball more often than you did, even before he went out with that injury. Well, to be fair, I think the Bills know exactly what you just said, how important he can be to the team, to a young quarterback. And I know Edmonds was out for them, but mm-hmm. Milano's such a good linebacker. They have oh, such completely... a good defense from top to bottom that they probably schemed 88 out of the game a decent amount. Completely under-the-radar kind of player Matt Milano is, and he's been a thorn in the side for the Steelers for a couple of years now. It's not just someone who really is able to fly under the radar as much as he used to because I think now teams are recognizing his talent just as much as his teammates have have been uh, dealing with for the last couple of years. He has stepped up to that caliber of play. But, yeah, I mean, getting back to the Pat Fryermuth point, I, I do believe that it's a huge blow to Kenny, but it didn't seem to bother him. Like I said, he got uh, Zach Gentry involved even late in the game. He got Connor Hayward involved. But yeah, to your point, Tom, I do think that Kenny never really looked at the game and just said, okay, well, this game's over. Let's go ahead and look and and already mid-game start focusing on on next week. He he did seem to be kind of leaving it all out there, even though the efforts probably were telling him to say, hey, you know, we appreciate that you care so much, but let's not get you killed when we're down by five touchdowns here. Now, we'll definitely get into some individual stuff, maybe in our next episode. Like, you're talking about Warren and Najee. I want to talk about them a lot. I want to talk about Pickens as well. Looking at this game from the macro perspective, though, when you're such an underdog as the Steelers were, it's almost like you got to go out there and pitch that perfect game. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that you have to be flawless, even though I kind of just implied that by saying pitch a perfect game, but you got to be as close to perfect as possible to even stay in a game like this, to pull off an upset like this. And so when you got them deep in their own territory on a third down, the shadow of their own goal line at their two, and you have a coverage breakdown, which, by the way, they sent Minka on a blitz on that play, something I'd been hoping to see all year long, and now I think I might have cold feet <laughs> on it because he was the one that blitzed, was this mm-hmm. close to getting to Josh Allen, and instead... Norwood, who was covering for what Minka usually does, gets burned uh, as the safety helping Gabe Davis, and Gabe Davis takes it in for a 98-yard touchdown. So right off the bat, you have a huge breakdown there defensively. You can't have that happen against a team that's as great as them. Then you fumble that kickoff if you're James Pierre. And and like you said, good on the Steelers' defense for holding them to nothing at that point with a field goal forced and then a block of that field goal. But... Right then and there, you kind of knew, wow, that momentum is really... Like, you need to grab momentum fast if you're the underdog in that situation. And the ball was already rolling so fast downhill for the Buffalo Bills. The Steelers were just trying to play catch-up really from the third play from scrimmage of that game. Tough spot to put your young rookie quarterback in and a tough spot to just put the rest of your team in when they know how much of a Goliath they're facing and that Goliath is already swinging his club around mm-hmm. pretty pretty uh, liberally early in the football game. So you have to be buttoned up more. You have to start almost perfect in a game like this. And it really couldn't have been the opposite for the Steelers. And 
You know, I just think that the air got let out of the tire so fast that even though they responded nicely, got it to seven to three, then held to another field goal, so it's only ten to three. Mm-hmm. You could kind of tell that there weren't, there wasn't much air in the tires. No, but to your point, Tom, I think the excuses of oh, well, you're off to that bat. I remember Billy, Billy and Wolf were saying on the call yesterday. Could you imagine a worse start to a football game than having that 98-yard touchdown and, and then fumbling the the next kickoff? Well, I believe a couple of years ago on their very first possession of a wild card game, the Pittsburgh Steelers maybe had had a snap go out the back of the end zone and then were down 28 to nothing in a playoff game in the first quarter. Do you recall that? Uh, I believe I do, yes. So I don't know if it was the worst start you could ever imagine because, unfortunately for the Steelers, I think they've had their fair share of <laughs> bad starts to a game. But when you when you do that, right, when you actually, like, the, the fumbled kickoff, the opening kickoff, that, that should have been the tone setter right there. That, A, he fumbled the, the punt. He fumbled the kick, and then not only did he try to take it out, but you stuffed him right at the yeah, two-yard line. Yeah, great play by Norwood. Tripping Absolutely great play by Norwood. And then first down and second down, you stop them. Josh Allen incomplete, and then Devin Singletary stuffed at the line of scrimmage on a run. As you've mentioned so many times, Tom, the Steelers do such a good job of stopping opposing offenses on first down, on second down, and then for some reason on third down, they can't get that third stop in a row, and that leads... This time, it led to a 98-yard touchdown. You had the fumbled kickoff by James Pierre. So it just felt like from second one, really, that this team was playing with a, a hand tied behind their back. And it was really unfortunate because if you take away, if you stuff, if you stuff them, right, if, you, if they don't convert a first down there, and then even if James Pierre or whoever is going to retur- return that punt because I can't even know, I don't even know if Steven Sims was available I guess he wasn't because it was James Pierre. So whoever was going to return that punt, say he fumbles it too, and then you get the missed field goal by Buffalo. It's still tied. You can go down the you can go down the field that Kenny that drive that Kenny led. Uh, I don't know how long it was. It was more than half the field though. You go up three nothing, and yes, we we remember how Buffalo went up to a ten to three lead. So if you take away their touchdown, it's only three to three if they go ahead down the field there mm, and score a field goal. We're taking away a lot of points here. I love it. I love it. It's, uh, I'm taking the away what if game, baby. I'm taking away one touchdown so far. One touchdown so far. But I'd like to take away the second quarter because that's where you look at and you well, go, I, "Wow, everything before, went south fast." Before you even get to there, Tom. After the Bills went up to ten to three, yes, you went three and out. But the very next play or the very next drive by the Bills. That incredible interception by Levi Wallace. So you were able to be in the game. It just it just continued to get away from you because the very next drive, sorry, not the very next drive, the two next drives, the Steelers went three and out, mm-hmm. and then it was a missed field goal by, by Boz, and then it was that Kenny Pickett interception to end the quarter, which we know it was, it was just not, or to end the half, or to end the quarter, I'm sorry, and at that point, you're down 31 to 6. 31 to 3. It was 10 to 3 at the end of the first quarter. They shut the Bills out in the third quarter. The Bills shut out the Steelers too. The Bills have yet to give a single point up in a third quarter of football. Incredible. Through 5 games now. That's unbelievable. Their aggregate is 44 and 44 to nothing in the third quarter of games. The Steelers of course shutting them out in this one. 7 nothing in the fourth quarter. Uh, one last hurrah touchdown from Josh Allen in the offense before Case Keenum took over the game. Like that's normal. Like all of that. That's a normal competitive football game. Mm-hmm. 
21 points allowed in the second quarter, though, that's where you look at it and say, yeah. oh, things got way out of hand. But at the same time, teams like the Bills, they're Cobras, man. You might hold them to 10 in one quarter. You might hold them to a shutout in one. But they're going to make up for that by scoring 21, by scoring 28 in 15 minutes of play. So Yeah, and, and, and the, the end of the half, too, didn't help at all either, where you could have gotten out of there only giving up 14 points in that quarter. Maybe you're down 24 to 3. And then they just score again as the time goes out, and it's thirty-one to three. And right. and the amount of short drives, like right, two I mean, two play drive for a touchdown, one play drive for a touchdown, three play drive for a touchdown. Right. I, I, the Steelers got more first downs than the Bills in this game, and they lost thirty-eight to three because mm-hmm. the Bills were just scoring on the one first down that they got to start the, the drive. Like that's so rare to see, and yet. You can't have success not only against the Bills, but any team if they're going to score on two plays. No, I mean, especially when they're doing that in back-to-back drives, right? Because it was the interception by Levi Wallace and then a three-and-out by the Steelers. Then it was that one-play touchdown drive to Gabe Davis, his second touchdown of the day, and the Steelers respond with another three-and-out. And the Bills respond with a two-play touchdown drive. I mean... As you said, Tom, the defense actually was having quite an easy day just because the Bills were having one play drive, two play drive, three play drives. It wasn't that bad of a, it wasn't that that time of possession really at the at, through the first half wasn't horrible, but at the end of the day, it ended up being 36, 36 minutes by the Steelers, twenty three minutes by the Bills. That's a win, right? We've been saying all season long, you got to win that time of possession battle. And they did it, and they still lost 38-3 only because the Bills, when they had the ball, were so effective and so efficient with it that time of possession didn't matter at all to them. You can now listen to Steelers Nation Radio anytime, anywhere, through your smart speaker. You just say, Alexa, play Steelers Nation Radio for my heart, and don't worry. Alexa, she's going to take care of the best. Mm -hmm. She's going to take care of the rest because she is the best. I mentioned that there were some things I wanted to talk about in this next episode here, specifically Jalen Warren versus Najee Harris. I don't want to say that we have a controversy at a position. This ain't Dallas at the quarterback spot yet, but Warren did some really nice things that I want to touch on, and I want to highlight on some of the things that Najee might not be doing so great. So we'll get into that in the next episode. We'll we'll continue down that micro kind of path as we look into individual performances uh, and this loss against Buffalo, and Talk about turning the page to Tampa Bay as they come into town this coming Sunday. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Offerman, and this is the Steelers Standard. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.